Morris. Welcome to the whole person by the Irish Rally podcast. We're delighted to have you here. Yeah, good to be here, Tony. Thanks very much for asking me. Uh, oh, no, it's a, an absolute delight. Uh, and I know I say it every time, and it probably sounds like a broken record at this stage, but it genuinely is such an honour to have people take the time and um, actually be here with us and tell us a wee bit about their story. So it genuinely is uh, it's a real privilege for us all to have you here today. Well, you um, don't take no for an answer, Tony, in fairness. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, to be fair, there'd be a wee bit of persistency there, I would say. Yeah, 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 to say the least, fair play um, But you know what, Donald, to be fair, like, I think your story is just one of the most remarkable when it comes to um, Irish Rally and just in general, you know, I remember one of the first things that um, he said to me whenever I first, uh, one of the first times I rang you anyway about it, you know, and I remember you saying, and actually your humility kind of, massively struck me like because you said um you know you kind of couldn't really understand like why i would want you on or you know why why would i want to talk to you or whatever and i just i thought that was incredible because all of the things you've achieved just in rallying alone never mind business or family or life in general like um and i just thought that was um as i say incredible like that you kind of you know I don't know if you're just completely laid back about it or are you just genuinely are that humble. Um, but is that something you've always had doing a lot kind of well, I don't know what humble like as, as I said to you, Tony, like I was very fortunate to be best friends with an unbelievable rally driver, you know, and uh, you know, and that that really is why I got the success that, and, and for that reason only. So um, you know, it developed to be a reasonable navigate over a period of time uh, with Manus's patience, but Listen, it was, uh, you know, I, I don't see it as a huge thing to, uh, you know, why would you not be humble? Like, yes, we had success later in, in our rallying careers, which was amazing to get, but, you know, that shouldn't change you as a person or your outlook in life. Uh, well, that's, that, to be fair to you, know, that is unbelievable. Like, um, and I, I want to go back to that because I know for a fact, like, I've heard Manus a million times myself over the years saying, he couldn't have done anything without you. So, you know, it wasn't just Manus's driving. And we all know that, like, he was an incredible driver and it takes a driver, of course, but, like, you absolutely are and it takes two of you. Um, but, you know, one of the things, kind of, that I love to ask uh, is a motto in life, you know, like, what do you have a motto in life or, you know, is there kind of, do you have a... An idea in your mind of what life is about that kind of carries you through the whole time because that to be honest what you just said there about um you know having success shouldn't change as a person like and i completely agree with that but i suppose not everybody would behave in that way at the same time um so i'm wondering is there a motto or something that kept you grounded over the years well i don't know about being kept grounded uh tony um you know, I look after the under 12 league team and we, we had a game away in Lifford last night and uh, I was just, my motto with them is that, you know, give it everything you can, work as hard as you can uh, and be honest to yourself and then there's nothing else you can do in life and I suppose that goes across uh, all functions of life and uh, you can't ask for anything else when everybody gives it their all. No, and that, that, that's fact, like, you know, once you can trust yourself and you know that you've given absolutely everything, um you truly can kind of go to bed and sleep easy at night when you've done that yeah, well that's it everyone will make mistakes like sure you know nobody's perfect and you'll make mistakes in everything you do in life but obviously you take learnings from them but um 
I suppose that the main thing is that once you give it your all, sure, you know, nobody can give out to you then. Exactly. You can trust that. And would you find, you know, that you're able to not give out to yourself? Because I suppose a lot of people would say their worst and are you know their worst critic is, is themselves like that's the inner critic that's kind of the the big one like and would you find that all right nobody else can give out to you but would you find that you're able to kind of not give out to yourself at that point too well i think you have to challenge yourself uh, and you know keep pushing yourself and sure the wee demons in your head are always telling you to to go and do different things or push yourself more or give out to you about doing something stupid but sure i suppose everybody is those mm -hmm. That's true too. And Camille, you mentioned um, the young fellas there and the under 12s Gaelic. It just is kind of making me think obviously about as you as a kid and stuff as well. And one of them, again, one of the major kind of points of um, starting from here on this um, podcast is, is always kind of childhood and what life was like for you at the start. Can you can you tell us a wee bit about yourself or like what you can remember of young Dora? Yeah, with a very happy childhood, my uh, a mad sporting household, and apart from rallying, nobody, I'm the most of six, and nobody was into rallying. Um, all football, Gaelic and soccer and golf, mad house for sport. Um, and uh, yeah, Mammy's boys from Downing, she's, there's one of 15, they're a mad GA and golf house, and Daddy's one of 10, and they're a mad football. And uh, in the youngest of, uh, in the youngest of six year going to matches all over the county as a young fella. So yeah, no rallying at all um, uh, when I was growing up, none at all. The, the Gary Gord stage went around the bottom of the lane and the, the, the triangle is about 500 meters from the bottom of the lane. I, I used to go over and watch that um, every year as a young fella. That was my rally. And did that, was that, is that the moment like that your, you know, your appreciation for it or your graph for it, it was sparked or was it later years? Uh, no, it was later, um, the Freelys, you know, Joe Freely would have sat on with Angus Hunter and Eamon Harvey. So they're neighbours of mine, but neighbours being two fields away out where we live. So I used to go up and down through the field to their house and wreck about the cars. And I suppose I got the interest initially through their, them. I used to go and watch the rally uh, with Colin Freely most years as a young fella. And um, yeah, and then I started when I was at the regional college in Letterkenny, I started working Cleaning, I was cleaning cars for Jerry McMahon and Colin Freeland at the side of Harris's there, and then I became friendly with Paul. And um, yeah, I probably kind of took off from there, really, um, in the later years. That's yeah. that's that because you can fully see the trajectory there. Like, um, did you find driving the cars great, Donald? Like, was that what you loved in the end up, or did you even just love sitting on with the boys messing about? I well. I never really had a car growing up. I used when I was old enough. I used to beg Daddy to get his car uh, on a Saturday night, uh, and I really drank because I, I liked driving more than than drinking when I was growing up. I liked touring about, but um, yeah. Then when we got injured, then I went to London. Manus came to London. I knew Manus well from uh, his younger years. My uncle was a guard in Churchill, and. Uh, his two sons, Martin and Shane Sweeney, were friendly with Manus, so I knew him through teenage years. And then Manus' wife, Bernie, I was at uh, college or at school in Milford with her, same class as her. So I went to London, he went to London to be a nurse, and uh, we started playing football together over there and, and became very friendly. So that's how that initially came about. He came back then and started driving the twin cam, and I came back and we did a couple of rallies where I drove and he sat on, but I very quickly realized that. Uh, it would be better swapping seats, so uh, <laughs> yeah. 
And what I made you really sensible? I liked driving, but I wasn't very good at it. So. Is that what it was? Like you were just like, ah, Japer's not, that's too, I'm not quick enough. Or was it a case of like, actually, you know, I, I enjoy sitting on and, and being the guide as well? Uh, well, I'd been honest, I enjoyed the crack with Manus. Like, it was great crack, and anybody knew him heading away, you had great crack. So, as long as I was away and having the crack, I didn't really care. But obviously, sitting in the passenger seat was more advantageous if we were going to win anything. So, uh, and me not driving. So. And how then did the family kind of um, uh, react to that or support that? Or were they 110% behind you? Or were there any worries about it? Well, I suppose you're older than Tony, you know, so you're in your, I started sitting, I sat in the first rally car in 2005 with Paul Harris and Claire, mm. um, and we rolled down the road in the second stage and wrecked his two-door in Pretza at the time, and then I sat on with him again in Donegal Harvest in 2006, I think it was, it was the year Donnie was out in the 12B for the first time, and uh, he won it, and we were second in it, um, and then... I sat on with Manus in 2007. I bought an Evo because I thought I would drive it, and then I never drove it at all. He drove it, and I sat on. And I remember going down to Galway in 2007, and we were number one six four or something. We went down and did the recce and didn't know if we were going to get in or not. And uh, we eventually got in, and uh, we finished second. The national Brian Brogan and Joe Freed actually, my neighbour, uh, beat us. They won the national, and we were second in it. And then we did a couple more rallies in the Evo then, and then. He was building an escort, so we did Donegal and the escort for the first time in 2007 then, yeah. But I mean, whenever you list off those names, don't like there weren't, um, you sat on with a fair few names even from the beginning, like I mean, Paul Harris was no, he was no uh, well, yeah. yeah, well, Paul, me and Paul were, became very friendly and when I was in London working, he used to try and gather a few pounds sponsorship for him, so it was like a thank you, him mm. taking me to, to Claire for a bit of crack and unfortunately, uh, he wrecked his car. And it wasn't a bad note, I have to clarify. That <laughs> Just put that out there. <laughs> and, uh, and then we, we did the harvest then and, and, and the Corolla in 2006, yeah. So, uh, yeah, no, I, I don't know what value I had at that time um, because he, he was at such a high level. I think in, in the harvest that year, he probably knew Atlantic Drive and Kilgrim and Glen and Fanet quite well. Uh, so he was descriptive notes as well. So it was, uh, yeah, but a bit of a baptism of fire. There, I think everybody to be fair, aren't they? Yeah, I was happy that Kelly was in uh, numbered anyway. I like because I remember the time I was actually trying to decide what way I would go, and I remember it was James Collins was running through it with us like and just the like, like it honestly took me such a long time to. Um, just try and decipher what all these words meant, <laughs> which is crazy. Like when you think about it. So for you to jump in and start doing them immediately, I mean that's mad stuff altogether. Yeah, but again, I don't know how uh, how far ahead or far behind it was was Paul Harris at the time. That probably behind, but anyway, uh, we go through. Uh, and it was nice for Paul to come second the harvest that year. So uh, uh, yeah, very very talented driver. Like obviously unlucky. Ninety six was it or ninety seven when Michael beat him in Donegal into second and. Him and a legacy that wouldn't have been near the the level of those other cars at the time, and then then obviously to be national champion in two thousand was it? Yeah, whatever year it was, he was, two, he was national champion then, and the and the president, a very talented man. And but then that, that, it's a funny thing with Irish rallying, is it particularly Donegal rallying? I feel um, 
that like there are so many sort of um incredibly talented drivers that just sort of don't i don't know if it's luck or what it is but don't have the luck and they're and they're so close so many times like um and i honestly think it genuinely in in my heart of hearts anyway i think that that's why yourself and manis you know spoke so deeply to so many irish fans like is because you know it was a case of you came up through the ranks and you know when 2015 wasn't at the you know you won the national and the escort and like people could see themselves in that story you know and for the first time i suppose in a long long time donegal drivers were up at the top and they were absolutely like able to win events and then he's went on to do it so many times i suppose that that's kind of that was the major the major thing you know for an awful yeah, well, even for paul at that time say it again sorry tony i would imagine even for the likes of paul harris at that time you know that like he was able to see he was able to see what you did and kind of you know you did it for him almost to a certain extent if, if that makes any sense like yeah you know, well sure paul was a huge part of her team along with other lads there and Paul and Shane started to gravel for us and they're invaluable. Like Paul's experience was unbelievable and they were waiting at the end of every stage making sure we were okay. But for Paul to be doing your gravel notes was, was uh, a huge bonus to us. But back to your point about Manus as well as the fact he started off in the Corolla and then worked up and then into the escort. And I think people could see the talent in him, especially in the downturn when when uh, he didn't have a car then and then we were hiring cars to go to Donegal, like 2013 was it? 2012, Declan Boyle beat us in the last stage. 2013, we were having a great battle with Gary McPhillips and Paul Sheridan. Mm -hmm. They were actually staying with me that weekend, Gary and Paul. Were, <laughs> they were staying in my house and uh, we had a great battle. And then 2014, obviously, with the huge accident and Rodney Wilson's car, who we were hired um, in Garden. So then I think people seen, you know, that he was trying and trying and trying. And then obviously to, to win the national show was. was like all we yeah. ever thought about one and Tony was a national and trying to one and we never even thought about the international. So, uh, yeah, the national was uh, an amazing experience that time. I know, and I kind of, and I mean, like for a guy that wasn't that under alien, uh, or you know, your family wasn't that under alien, or you didn't come up through the ranks in terms of rally family, like that must have just been such a mad experience for you when you think back to golf and GAA, you know, the difference between the two. Hi, it's a, a wee bit more high octane in fairness uh, compared to golf, especially. Um, yeah, yeah, I suppose there's plenty of people that, that, that come up and, and don't grow up in rallying but develop a, uh, a liking for it over years. So, uh, yeah, as I say, you know, the main thing was that you're going away with Manus at weekends and having the crack, and everything else was a bonus. And it all shines through. That's one of the things that I, that is one of the things that I would love to try and figure out. And it's probably where this whole um, podcast idea came from is trying to figure out, you know, what came first. Because your story to me is so interesting the fact that you didn't grow up in a rallying household and then you sort of, you found it, you fell in love with it and you stayed with it for a long time. And I know it was a lot to do with the crack and the relationship that you had with Manus, but. Yeah, like it's a it's a pretty difficult sport to be in if you didn't have some sort of love for it you know or, or like deep sort of connection to it and like i often like i some may call me sad but a lot of the time i spend like time wondering like what comes first you know is it is the rallying naturally built into 
to the likes of yourself um, and you were always going to find it no matter where or when or you know is it the type of person that you are naturally and then rallying just sort of slotted in to the type of personality you have so basically it's kind of like a, a chicken and an egg question like I always wonder what comes first does rallying end up making us into who we are or do we find rallying because of the type of personality we have well, I would say I found rallying based on, on the people that, number one, initially I was living close by to and then where I was working and the friendships that developed that were into rallying. I'd say that for me, that was it. It wasn't that, you know, rallying became, you know, came first, you know, it came through the friendships that I had uh, and developed from there, really. Uh, and do you think um, the fact that rallying kind of, you know, didn't come first in terms of like it didn't become your whole world, do you think is that what added to your success? And say even just keeping the humility, like with that you didn't get too hung up on anything and you just you were there with malice for the crack all the time. And that's kind of what kept you um, like enjoying it so much and therefore not getting carried away with anything that was going right or wrong. Yeah, well, as goes back to my point at the, at the start, Tony, I was very lucky that Manus was a very good driver. Like, you know, I was never in a situation that I was very friendly with somebody and we were running 100 on the road. And, um, you know, that that would really test your love for rally. Right. You know, it, it's easy for me, you know, because he was so talented that we were well up all the time. And, and that made it a lot easier to enjoy it and, and to go out uh, knowing that you're you're going to be competitive at, at some level. So... Um, I would say the people further down in the field are the people who have that real love and that real passion for it that just keep going and going and going. Aye. And obviously now in the last couple of years you haven't been competing or, or, or been out on the stages. You were out last year for the run around um, a couple of the stages on the Sunday with uh, Donna Kelly. Um, you know, do you miss it at all, Donna? Uh, well, I miss Manus, obviously. That's, you know, first and foremost. And, and, and everything that that brought with it. Do I miss it? I suppose COVID came at, at a time where um you know there's no rallying for a few years so so that break didn't really matter because there was no rallying anyway. So mm. do I miss it now, to be honest, Tony, no. And and people might think that's a bit strange. But as I said to you in some of them phone calls, I feel somewhat of a fraud coming and rallying and that, you know, very lucky to win what I won, but you know, it's done now and and, and move on and you know, four young kids now, and and uh, and a business, and a and a loving wife, and that takes priority, really. Exactly, and um, you know, you obviously had to to learn the hard way as well, the very very difficult way that most people on this planet have no idea about. Um, but you did have to learn the hard way how important those other things are, um, and how that sort of structure around you and that you know love and family and kids and all that support like how important all of that truly is in life you know um and it's one of those things where i often wonder just how you you got the strength to kind of to keep going as such uh yeah well sure it was it was difficult the times after it i think you know the rally fraternity were very good we threw ourselves into to do and that a lot of rally people approached me about doing something preparing the kids and we did that and that was very successful and, and um yeah sure and that kept all our minds very very busy at that time and uh yeah sure i think everybody has challenges in life trying to deal with stuff but but time certainly heals that's for sure time does heal and you know i think oftentimes as well like 
I would always go back to the memory that I have of you two. Um, I was very, very fortunate um, in the years that yourself and Manus were, were winning that I actually was working at the time um, on the media side of things. And I saw you at the ramp at the end of uh, 2015 with the National. And I, I was actually so lucky to be at the end of Fanad, um whenever the two years came off and had that half second um, winning, uh, winning title. But I remember following you back, and I don't know how it happened, but I ended up being directly behind the two of you on the way back to Letterkenny. Um, and I remember thinking to myself, like, jeepers, what has been on in that car at the moment? Like, what, particularly heading through Milford, like, because obviously Milford is where you're from, and it would must be so close to your heart, like, to have been driving through there, and the Subaru is the winners at only got. Like, and I often think of that. Anytime I think about doing stage ends or the end of a rally, like I always think of that. And I just wonder, you know, obviously what was going on in the car at that time. But I would imagine that those memories are kind of what pulls you through too. Like, this, you know, the, the moments that the two of you had together. And, you know, the fact that he's probably still sitting on your shoulder all the time. Don't ah, well, hopefully. Um, it's funny that the car on the way back, I remember his phone never stopped. <laughs> and he could, hardly, he could hardly hear the people on the other hand shouting and roaring and uh, his phone never cooled. So we didn't actually get to talk that much because the phone uh, never cooled. And I remember him saying to me every so often, hard to believe, Donny, hard to believe, Donny, he kept saying, you know. So, yeah, great memories, which there's lots of great memories, uh, Tony. And, and of course, I'm sure for whatever about me, you know, for, for Manus or for Bernie and the kids and, and Manus's family and friends. And that's what, you know, everyone has so many great memories of him at that. Mm -hmm. That's, I'm sure, that what keeps everybody going, you know. Exactly, yeah. And tell me, um, what would your favourite memory be of all your rallying days? Oh, Fanad, uh, that, when you're talking about it there, Fanad coming down to the crowd at the end of Fanad, uh, having won in 2016. Um, yeah, that was unbelievable. The crowd there, it was just unbelievable. I know that it was absolutely insane. I remember trying to get into the car to try and get speaking to the two years, and I actually spoke to you first. Um, but it was genuinely like something you'd see off the TV. Like it was just, it felt like thousands. It was probably dozens, you know, because obviously most people would race back to the ramp to try and see you there. But like there were just so many people, and I remember like the tears. Like so many people <laughs> were crying with joy, and like. I would imagine overwhelm as well that it actually happened. Yeah, yeah. I remember Manus told me give him a bottle of champagne and he, he sprayed it and then he just threw the bottle of champagne up over the hedge into the field. I don't know if you remember that. <laughs> <laughs> he just got lost in one and threw away the bottle of champagne. But uh, no, it was, uh, yeah, no, they, they were special times. And obviously then, you know, we go back then a couple of years as well. And like, it's just... It must just be such a mad feeling to compare that to, you know, the few years later um, and particularly the fact that it was that same stage. Um, and like, Donald, what strikes me about you is just genuinely like how you pull yourself through that, you know, because um, like even last year, whenever you were sitting on with Donna Kelly in the Subaru, like I remember thinking to myself, wow, like that is unbelievable to be able to sit in there and do that. Yeah, it was a pretty emotional time. I remember um, we pulled out across the penna and um, I have to say there was a few tears when I got into the car and across the penna, but we pulled out and, and we were up the road and, and I didn't know but Paul Harris and Jimmy Doherty were up the road 
you know, like there would be. Uh, and they were at the end of both stages as they would have been before, you know. So, yeah, no, it was lovely and fair play to Donish. It was an unbelievable um, thing that he did for the 50th anniversary and fair play to him for doing it. But then to, to take the, the Shabu out and, and ask me to be in, uh, yeah, no, it was special. Special. And do you think um, that'll be the last time you're in a rally car? Yeah. Uh, I would. I, I can just. I can imagine just in general how emotional that would be. Like I would, and as you say, even like seeing the boys at the end of the stages and stuff. Like it could just. I would imagine that it would just be. I don't know how that would ever start to feel normal again. I suppose. Yeah. Well, listen. Even I did have the the desire or that. I don't think out of the balls anymore. To be honest, Tony, to to get back in. But even if you had it, I don't. Uh, I don't think you're out of a wife anymore. Um, <laughs> For that, you know, you know, you know. Listen, what happened to Manus was a complete freak, and she never happened. And uh, and thankfully, it does, it's rare that it does happen. But um, yeah, no, I, I I wouldn't be taking that. Unfortunately, or unfortunately, I won't be getting back into rally. Uh, and and you know, in whatever way that you're actually comfortable to talk about it, like how how did you pull yourself through that time? You know, that must have just been such a a grueling couple of years for you, don't. Yeah, well, listen, like there, there's plenty of professional help, help out there, Tony, and I availed of, uh, of it uh, for probably eighteen months after it. I was diagnosed with PTSD, of course, traumatic stress, and I was going to see a lady in, in Dublin who was really, really good and and, and helped me through it. Um, yeah, um, but there's plenty of worse off people than Donald Bard out there in terms of what happened. Um, you know, the first thing is obviously Bernie and the kids and Manus's family. So, you know, I can get through. I got help and I go through it, and um, so I'm okay. That's good. Well, that's amazing to hear. And would you, you know, would the professional help have been the first thing you thought of doing, or was it a case of like, you know, a couple of weeks or a couple of months down the line, you just kind of thought, you know, what I might give this a wee go? Um, I suppose like most Irish men think they can battle through it and they'll be okay, but then, you know, I just, uh, I knew then I had to, I had to go and see somebody, so, later. That's brilliant. And, like, looking back on it now, would you be able to say that that is truly what got you through it, or was it a mixture of things, or? Yeah, well, I, I I suppose I don't know, Tony, is the honest answer. It definitely didn't do me any harm and it definitely helped me. Um, but people are very good, Tony. You know, Irish people, rally people have a very strong family around me, a great wife and kids. They're keeping me busy. So you know, um, I would say a combination of all of those, but the professional help didn't didn't do me any harm, that's for sure. That's unbelievable. Even the fact that you're, you know, so openly talking about it now as well, like I think that's, I think, to, as you say, like for for Irish men, you know, obviously talking about feelings and stuff is quite difficult. But you know, to to take that step in the first place is huge. But also to actually be able to talk about it now and say it out loud is is even bigger, in my opinion. Well, you asked me the question. <laughs> <laughs> but at the same time, some people wouldn't wouldn't maybe feel comfortable enough to admit it. Do you know? Well, I think that whole dynamic and narrative is changing around, you know, getting professional help, and that's a great thing. Sure, uh, there's plenty of people that that have mental health issues, for example, that before was seen as, you know, newly, 
something you wouldn't talk about and now people are openly talking about it which is very very good yeah um, it is it's a huge thing like i mean i obviously i kind of you know i've spoken about it on here before but like i've been to therapy for years now at this stage and i have found it uh I've genuinely found it life changing. Like, um, now thank God I haven't been through anything as traumatic as you. Um, and I, you know, feel very grateful for that. But, uh, you know, we all go through moments in life, like where we're just, we were never taught how to, how to cope with these things. Like, um, and I think to be able to ask for help is, is a huge thing. Cause Joe, like if, if you were, if you, if something went wrong on a stage and you got back to service, you'd have no bother asking everybody around you to help fix the car. Or yeah, that's it. So there, there's professional people in most fields uh, of life, no matter what you're going to into, you need to uh, avail of those uh, of those people. So, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Now, you've mentioned family a couple of times and, and your wife and how lucky you are and things like that. Um, do they just take centre now between that and the business, don't know your full flight into... Um, I was going to say uh, soccer coaching, but it's Gaelic coaching. I'm thinking of my own nieces and nephews in America. Yeah, um, all sport. As long as they're playing any sport, here, it's great, no matter what they play. But uh, I look after the Gaelic team, the young fellow plays soccer as well. But, um, as long as they're playing something, yeah, no, sure. Like I have a, an 11-year-old, 9-year-old, 7-year-old and 2-year-old. So um, that's a busy house. And, and we moved up. I came back from London in 2001 to Dublin. And... Um, we a good thing from COVID was that we came up here with a house up here, and we came up in the lockdown and the thought because we never thought we could move up from Dublin and then mm. we never heard of Microsoft Teams or Zoom or any of that before and then that allows you. Uh, I'm now in a, a little satellite office we have in Welford here. There's five lads out there who work in the satellite office and I work out of it on a Monday and a Friday and, and go down to Dublin usually on a Tuesday and up on a Thursday. It's way too nice, which works out fine. Uh, so yeah, no, it's great. Uh, great support network up here for the for the kids, and uh, yeah, uh, it's a great upbringing in Donegal. So nothing wrong with Dublin, but it's a great upbringing in Donegal. Donegal is different, isn't it? Like it's just a completely different way of life. Um, like, do you find it? I would say you wouldn't change it for the world because it is a different way of life. But do you find it difficult making the commute every week? I'm not too bad. I, I leave the house at a quarter past five on a Tuesday morning and, and head down. You'd be in Dublin a good time, and then a usually leave about three o'clock on a Thursday and I'll be home in, in reasonable time. So, um, no, I don't really mind it, Tony, to be honest with you. Um, I don't it's mind nice. It's nice sometimes I feel normal to get the separation because I would work in Dublin quite a bit and I feel like whenever I come back into Donegal, I can literally feel myself exhale. Um, that sigh of relief comes in, like where you just feel like you're home. Um, mm. But I do love getting away to Dublin to work and I love... Um, I suppose I just love having the, um, you know, in Dublin, you kind of, this is your work life. And in Donegal, this is where you get to relax. Do you find you have that as well? Uh, well, we were fortunate. We lived in Castleknock in Dublin. It's a great community there. And you know, we're involved in the local GA club and local sports teams. And, you know, there's a great, so it's, you know, until the kids start going to school, you know, you kind of, we were living there and didn't really know anybody. And then the kids go to school and, you know, most yeah. people then, and it's like a little village within a city. So you have those communities within cities, but I think, you know, in Donegal where everybody knows everyone and and, uh, and plus we have so many family around us that, that will help with babysitting. Um, it's just a lot slower and, you know, we, you know, we definitely like it anyway. And did you find that um, transition then whenever you came from 
sort of Dublin and that busyness and that, you know, sense of community then to Donegal or did you find that because you, as you mentioned before, like you have such a, you know, a tight knit family and there's plenty of them and stuff that you were able to slot back in? No, we, we were up a lot of weekends anyway and up in the summers because we had a house up here. So we were up that much anyway. It wasn't, uh, it wasn't like we were moving to Cork and didn't know anybody, you know, it was just moving up and just slotting back in. And, and in many ways, whether you live in Dublin or, or Donegal, it's similar. Kids get up, go to school, come back, homework, dinner, and running off, taking them places. So that dynamic doesn't change that much. It's just a bit, a bit slower. Hi. And in terms of being in Donegal now, Donald, um, do you find that, like, how do you busy yourself uh, the weekend of the Donegal Rally now? Or what do you, like, do you find yourself having to distract yourself? Or do you find yourself able to go there? Or can you, basically, you know, we know Donegal Rally, the whole county gets immersed in it. And it's very hard to um, avoid rallying or not be involved in it in some way, shape or form. Um, and I wonder then, you know, with June coming in here, like, how does that... How does living in Donegal slot into that for you now? Well, I grand last year, my, my friends that I ran around with years ago, Paul Doherty and Mark and Martin, you call and the lads, I just went and I sit on the Friday and the Saturday with them. I was doing the thing on the Sunday with Donna, but this year will be the same. I'll just go with the lads and put on. Well, it doesn't look like we'll need wellies this year, but usually fire on the wellies and, <laughs> and go and watch the rally like everybody else. So that's what I did last year, and I'm sure that's what we'll do this year. And do you enjoy watching Donald? Because that's one thing I have never been able to do since I since I sat in a rally car. I've never been able to actually enjoy watching them. <laughs> uh, certain parts of it. We went to a bit at the at the end of Karen Hill last year, and uh, up past for McRae, uh, went backwards in the metro that year. Up past that, and it's all flat up over Jumpson. It's like a two left, two right up over a crest, and. I got out standing there and the first two came up and I actually stepped back. I was thinking, these boys are headers all together. Uh, <laughs> you know, uh, so yeah, no, it's, it's, uh, I don't mind when I'm watching, you know. Like, I'll go and watch Donegal, I'll go and watch The Harvest, but like I wouldn't have that desire to go down the country watching it, you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and do any of the kids have any interest in it? No, none. They're all into the. They're all. Well, three girls and a boy, so probably the boy would uh, is the eldest now. He's just football mad. Gillian's and mad. Um, Unbelievable. Yeah. No. And again, one of the one of the first times we spoke, um, I remember you saying that like rallying, like was never, and you said it already here, but like rallying was never your first sport, like all the rest of them, um, like between the golf and the and the Gaelic, like that's that's kind of what stuck out to you. Have you ever any notions of getting back involved with Gaelic or anything? At a playing level, you know, where you can catch oh, Jesus, I'm, for, I'm 47 now in September, Tony. I think that the playing is well gone. Um, we, no, I enjoy uh, coaching and look after the under 12 mm -hmm. team, as I said, and, and enjoy that. We train on a Monday and a Friday, and, and, uh, and we have games either on a Monday or Friday. So no, it's great, you know. Love working with the young fellas there, and, and uh, yeah, that 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 takes up a lot of my time. And do you find that a lot of it, you know, the passion that you had um, for rallying and stuff, and and the discipline, um, like that that side of your personality wouldn't disappear um, overnight. Like, so do you feel like um, you're able to kind of share that or kind of um, keep that in motion whenever it comes to training the young ones? Yeah, well, it's probably different, you know, like the young ones, you have to be a lot more patient and 
you know, realize that it's not all about winning, it's all about participation and, you know, bringing young fellas along no matter how uh, good or bad their ability is, you know, participation is the main thing. So, yeah. you know, it, it's, it's different to the cut and thrust of rallying at a high level where it's, you know, really all about winning. So, yeah, um, yeah you have to, you have to, sometimes I have to realize that in the sideline um, occasionally. Uh, remember that that's what it's all about, but yeah. And do you find that like a refreshing or a welcomed um, change of perspective, or do you find that hard to adapt to? No, I love it. I love it, Tony. I love, yeah, I love it. Um, it's great. You know, you're away Tuesdays and Fridays and having a great crack with the young fellas and watching young fellas develop, uh, no matter what their ability. No, I love that. Love it. It's amazing. And tell me, can you? This is always such a hard question for people, but can you pinpoint, say, even your top three, but even if you have one, um, like a favorite memory in life, a moment that you would go back to in a heartbeat? Favorite memory in life? Yes, that's a good one, Tony. You didn't tell me you were going to ask that one. <laughs> or a moment that you would just go back to in a heartbeat, like, and it could be any moment. It doesn't have to be sporting or anything, like, but it's just one of those moments that you feel you you're either wildly grateful for or it kind of shaped you as a person, maybe? Yeah, well, I suppose that there's different parts of your life. You have, you know, you have sport in your pastime and you have your family and, you know, the birth of your four children is, is definitely something that, you know, is uh, is hard to look past when you ask, ask for, for favourite moments because, you know, they are the best moments. Right. And I think that's what's funny, uh, you know, a lot of the times in these conversations that um, I be having over the last couple of months, like, you know, rallying is very, very important to people, but it's oftentimes, you know, there are moments in life that obviously most moments in life seem to be bigger. Um, you know, it is things like family or business or, you know, I just bigger moments like that that kind of stand out for people. Like if you'd ask me about that in, in, in a sporting context, I, I would say Fanad in 2016, all day long. Yeah. You know, looking back there, but, you know, I suppose uh, there's more to life than sport, I suppose. That's what that's why the family would come first. But, um, yeah. And in terms of business, Donald? What would there be? Would you like what would be a big moment there, or a big memory, or kind of the most important moment for you? Well, a big moment is we 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 uh, I came back from London two thousand one. Tony, we managed to build up a reasonable good business in MCR. Myself and two other fellows uh, are the directors of it, and uh, we we went through a process there, something similar to Donna Kelly and KN, and Donna has been really really brilliant soundboard for us. Where mm -hmm. we took an investment from a a UK private equity company there and just closed it a couple of weeks ago. So that's a big moment in, in, uh, in, uh, for us and, and MCR and for the employees of MCR, which is looking very good for them going forward. So yeah, from a business point of view, that has uh, definitely been the highlight. And is that something that would have been on your mind, that you know, a goal that you would have had for business or did you just sort of fall into business? Or, you know, when you mention kind of, going to the regional and heading to London, you know, did you always have a goal in mind? I know, Tony, I, I, all I wanted to ever be was a guard, believe it or not. My, lots of my uncles are guards and I thought uh, it was a handy enough number and uh, I, I did the aptitude test and got on fine but failed the interview. And I remember the letter coming to the house, well, I, I was actually working on Harris's and, and daddy ringing the landline in Harris's to tell me that I, I didn't get the interview and me being a uh, 
not very happy think because that's all i thought i was going to do and then uh, yeah i had to uh had to take a step back and figure out what i was going to do in life and my brother-in-law worked for a recruitment agency in london and uh called O'Neill and brennan and uh, i went over and started working for them in summer of 98 i think it was um and uh yeah and got on fine there and then came back to dublin to work for a similar company in 2001 which is now mcr and uh yeah we've managed to build up a a reasonable business now with the help of all my colleagues Hi, and so what what happens now then you know what's what's the next goal because you've obviously like you've reached so many pinnacles don't don't like it you know in, in in your career and your sporting career and your family like what um particularly now that you have the company in such a in such a sweet spot like what what's next on the horizon or do, or do you plan that far ahead well, from a business point of view, you, we have a five-year plan to drive the life out of it now and see how we get on over the next five years. So that's exciting. And, and uh, for myself and my colleagues to, to push that on through the, the help of the investment. Um, from a family point of view, four kids, you know, every week is getting busier and busier running around with them. And that takes up an awful lot of time, which is very, very exciting. And ultimately, that's what it's all about, Tony. That's what we all work very, very hard for, to, yeah. to, uh, to live our own lives, but also to to uh, have as good a life as possible for your kids and your family exactly and i mean that's it's that is life isn't it like we spend so long focused on on certain goals and you reach them and you kind of realize right i've got it now and it's lovely and all but like i don't really it hasn't really changed my life or it hasn't really you know changed yeah. me as a person so what now but everything always comes back to family or the people that you have around you essentially yeah well you have to have goals no matter what you do you know i find anyway in business you have to have goals private your personal life you have to have goals whether it be it you know that every sunday you go away with the kids for a few hours on a on a road trip or something you just have to keep setting setting goals around that like we set goals with under 12s of different challenges for them for to help them improve so you know i think in life you have to have goals because what what do you measure yourself against unless you have some sort of goals otherwise you just you know maybe some people are happy doing that just going along without setting goals for themselves but now i'd definitely like to, to challenge myself and, and push on exactly yeah. and obviously like going back to your motto you know we were saying that, that doing your best like that's literally all you can do like yeah for sure like if you're coaching under 12 and uh you know, one of the young fellows said to me twice last night, I, I'm trying, I'm trying my best, I'm trying my best, you know, because that's what we keep saying to them. And, yeah. uh, and it was, and sure, uh, like young fellows, you're going to make mistakes, everybody make mistakes, and you, you don't never give out to them as long as they, no, I'll give out to them if they don't work hard or don't track back yeah. or don't give it their all. But, you know, apart from that, sure, how can you give out to anybody if they, if they, um, if they give it everything they have? I know and that really is that's that's where we started the conversation that's kind of where, where we're coming to an end now as well where that is lit literally it like that's all you can do in life is give it your best and then once you've done that you're you're flying yeah obviously we had a thing manis god rest them had a because we were doing the rally manis was so laid back was unbelievable like you'd be arriving to donegal you go out to cattle browns and get the car and then you know, on the Friday and he'd be going around organizing tires and fuel and so laid back it was unbelievable. And I used to be, you know, have been tortured trying to get a bit more 
organize them. I used to have this thing, FCB, I used to say to them all the time, which was focus, commit, and believe. I used to, that was the thing. He used to slag me about saying FCB all the time. Now, thankfully then, because he was so talented, and uh, like I was chatting to da Donna Kelly, I had a thing at Christmas there, I went down to it, and I was chatting to Daniel McKenna, mm. and we were chatting like Daniel, an unbelievably talented driver. Yeah. We were just saying how back in, and you know, them, great days for him, like he was, you know, watching in cars, doing all that, all that prep, which Manus wasn't doing at all, you know, there was no, like, you know, entirely even watching in care. And then he got David McGinley involved and, you know, just really, really, really prepared. And, you know, once you prepare and really well and you have the talent, well then, um, you know, and, and, you know, David McGinley coming in that time really brought him to another level because he then started doing what other people were doing in terms of preparing properly. Um, so yeah. so yeah yeah listen you know for kids coaching them all they can do is give it their best when you get a bit older you need to prepare them better and, and all that kind of stuff but uh -huh. um, yeah and it just goes back to that point we were making a wee while ago of like professionals and some people like people are professionals and are experts at what they do for a reason and it's actually it can change your life whenever you ask for the help of people whether it's in a negative or a positive moment but to ask a professional you know to to guide you on the next steps moving forward like it truly can change your life like and i mean that's the perfect example like whether it's the young fellas on the pitch kind of going i'm doing my best and you just pep talk them um or if it's you know the likes of david jumping into your team to kind of say right well you're class and you're doing great now but we need to just do x y and z to move it to the next level like it's yeah. always it's always you know, a good thing to ask for help, like. Yeah, doubt it does. I, I don't know, Donald, I could talk to you all day long and pick your brains all day long. Um, you know, I think your career was absolutely impeccable. Like, even if you look back at the people you've sat with, and I know it was it was a short one, but it genuinely was um, unbelievable in terms of rallying. But even just the rest of your life, you know, the fact that you talk so openly about everything, um, and so honestly about how much family means to you and how much living in Donegal now means to you and, and you know, business and things like that there. Like, it's just, it genuinely is um, going to be kind of just exciting to see what comes next for you. Like, whether it's, you know, the MCR group taking over the world or... <laughs> yeah, or uh, we don't want to take, take over the world. We just want to uh, keep pushing on and, and do as best we can. But, uh, yeah. No, we're happy with the place we're at at the minute, Tony, thanks. No, uh, honest to God, hey, it's great to see you, and it's great to see you doing so well. And, um, you know, as I said to you before, it's just that, honestly, it's such a privilege to have you on here chatting and for you to have been so honest. Um, so thank you, Donald. No problem, Tony.